On today's episode of The Boilerplate, we're talking about creating and building awareness for a small business through PR with Robbie Johnson Weinberg, the co-owner of Eclectic Eye, which is a local eyewear boutique in Midtown Memphis. And they just have really good looking frames. So before we even get into their PR, let's talk about that a little bit. All right. It is art for your face. <laughs> when Robbie walked in today, the very first thing I noticed about her, she had on these really awesome looking, really artistic red frames and it just stands out immediately. And so I think before they tell their story, the frames kind of like tell the story for them a little bit. I would agree. Right when she walked in, it's like, okay, your sweater's red, but so are your frames. Then I think it, it is, it truly is artwork for your face. And that's something that they like to push out. And the, the fact that you walk in and you can, you know, pick out a pair of reading glasses, a pair of sunglasses, anything and everything you want for your face that is going to be a representation of who you are as a person. It's just really cool. And that what that's what makes Eclectic Eye, Eclectic Eye. Yeah. I think, you know, as a small business, I grew up here in Memphis. And so I've kind of grown up and always seen Eclectic Eye be a presence in Midtown. And so um, it's really interesting to me. And I'm really excited to sit down with her today to talk about their story not just what it is, but how they share it. I think it's going to be really great. I'm excited to talk to Robbie today. So Robbie, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Um, why don't, to get started, you know, we haven't done a whole lot of focus this season on specific small businesses and I think Eclectic Eye is doing something really cool in Memphis. So why don't you give us a little background as to the business? How did you guys start? How have you grown? So we started, uh, my husband had been out of optometry school about four years. He was working for his dad and I'd been in the restaurant business um, about 10 years managing and collectively we just felt like we could do something together and elevate the business that we wanted to do. So we kind of got together and we bounced around maybe um, opening up a store in Nashville. Did we need to move? And we sort of toyed with all this. And we're both born and bred Midtown Memphians, went to Central High School. And we just, in our heart, wanted to be in business in Midtown, in Memphis, um, doing something creative and interesting and in optometry. So that was sort of the genesis, the birthplace of it. And a lot of crazy decisions later, we opened in 2002. So, What was that kind of need? How, how were you guys standing out from a typical optometry practice when you started? You know, the, one of the first things we did, or I did, I should say, is research a little bit about were there service options in Midtown. At the time, this would have been to the year 2000, the year 2001. Um, and most all services dentists, optometrists, had all moved out of the, the core of the city. Um, and so I, I came across a study that the University of Memphis had done at the time about um, income in Midtown, especially 38104, 38112, um, 38111, 38103 downtown, um, that really said clearly in this survey that they had done that this based on the disposable income available. So that kind of boosted my confidence that not only did we have this sort of dream that we could put a business in Midtown, but there was actually some economic viability to that um, on paper that I saw. And once I saw that, I started getting kind of excited. 
Um, and so we abandoned all plans to move and said, you know what, let's, let's find a spot in Midtown. And then we ran into quite a bit of trouble with talking real estate agents into actually believing us that we wanted to put a business in Midtown. So it's interesting to see how Memphis has grown and how the economic climate in that area has grown just even over the last five years. Right. There was, yeah, I mean, Overton Square was not even viable at all at that stage. Um, Cooper Young was there, and it was sort of its own little cool thing, but it was pretty tight and pretty small. Um, there was really nothing happening in, in what I call the Cooper Connector, um, and we really felt like that area was was a vital artery for the city. Um, but real estate agents, are the first people we met with told us flat out, you will not be successful if you are not on Poplar in East Memphis. There's no, I mean, it was black and white. And of course that sort of fired us up. We were like, well, that can't be right. right. So that piqued our interest a little bit more and we started digging in a little bit deeper and then we changed real estate agents and we came across this sort of serendipitously, this wonderful space that we now have today. That's wonderful. Well, speaking of businesses, on Poplar Avenue in Memphis, mm. you know, many small businesses uh, kind of struggle with being noticed or standing out amongst larger companies or brands that might have a, you know, national backing, you know, especially um, it, it, with the, whatever industry that they might be in. So how do you feel or how have you at Eclectic Eye um, found success in building your brand, not only against competitors, but just in Memphis in general? Right. So at the time, late, you know, 1999, 2000, 2001, the, the whole business model seemed to be really moving into consolidation of big, um, of opt optometric businesses in the area of like Walmart, um, really consolidating in, in, into these huge conglomerates like iMasters, VisionWorks, and, and that just seemed to be the trend and people liked that sort of big box experience. Um, we decided to really do the opposite. And we did that intentionally by creating a space that was reflective of who we are, that enjoyed the creative outlets that we do about Memphis, the artists, things like that, and really focusing on quality services, quality experiences, and growing our team. It was a little messy the first couple of years, I'm not going to lie, but focusing on those things ultimately gave us a huge payoff. No, that's interesting. And, and thinking too about, you know, really digging deep. You talked about research, digging deep into who your brand is, what your brand is, what you want to be known as, and making sure that, you know, not only is that seen externally, but it's got to be, it's got to, you, your team has to have ownership of that internally for that to be seen externally. Yeah. So branding almost immediately, I knew I was in way over my head. My, my, again, my experience, I have an art history degree. My experience was in restaurant management. Um, so I had a lot of operational ex experience. I have the benefit of having sort of an artistic vision, but I had no idea how to brand us in a way that was going to be useful long-term. And so there was a, definitely an evolutionary process. I think we've been connected with Inferno 13 or 14 years now. So almost, I mean, very early on in our, in our inception, we were fortunate enough to bring Inferno on. That was a very smart move on our part. Um, but it's been, an, it's been a process of, of understanding what our brand is because what it is today is not necessarily what it was when we opened. 
And Inferno has helped us craft a, a consistent message through all those transitions through the years um, that I think has just been indispensable as we gr have grown. It was just a skill set that I did not have, nor could I even see the need for it broadly until now I'm looking back and saying, oh my gosh, I don't know how we could have done it. Well, just as brands change, so does marketing. You know, you think about what worked back then, you think about what works now, you think about the tools and the channels back then to what they are now, and they're growing and evolving every single day. So um, ensuring that, you know, there's that partnership that not only you're talking to about how your brand is evolving, but how the marketing and PR has to evolve with it is absolutely crucial. So, I think there are a couple of interesting things that you brought up a little bit earlier um, one is just kind of the location that you're in. So for those of our listeners who aren't in Memphis, just kind of a, a brief history of the city over the last 20 years. At the time when you were talking about, there was a big push. People were moving outside of the center of the city. They were moving east. They were moving north. Um, and so these suburbs were kind of popping up around the city. And that's where I think initially everybody thought that's where all the money is going. And that's where all the people are going. It's where all the culture is going. And so the, the inner city was just kind of, it seemed to be dying out. Um, and you know, I think it was dead Okay, around yeah. us. I mean, honestly, there was, there was, I think on our block, there was three total viable businesses mm -hmm. at the time. Everything else was either boarded up or had burned down. I mean, it was sort of blight 101. It Absolutely. really was not great. Um, again, I mean that our heart was in, was in Midtown Memphis. So we b believed, uh, right or wrong, that um, uh, the city was better than it looked in that moment and that it was worthy of people investing. Um, you had a vision, too. We did. I, I don't want to be too, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit. <laughs> we were like, ooh, we know all this is going to happen because we didn't. That's been the just an added bonus of, of that. But we also came in contact with, uh, Jimmy Lewis and his partner James Raspberry at the time were had torn down the space that we are now in. It had been condemned. It was an old bar called Charlotte's Bar, among other things, that was a little bit of a neighborhood haunt. Um, but it, it had to be torn down, and they were sort of redeveloping this property in, in, because they saw the vision of Midtown. So it's not like we were the on the you know we were the first ones to kind of pick it up. And but the the thing that happened to us when we got in contact with them is that. They really liked what, we, what, what our concept was, and they really felt like that it would work. So they believed in us, and that gave us a lot more confidence. Um, so that little corner all of a sudden lit up, and it had life, and it had um, you know, movement, and, and people started to come in. I think that's such a cool part of, especially your story, any small business really I think is going to be passionate about what they're doing. A lot of small businesses are going to be passionate about the communities they're involved in, but um, just seeing kind of that resurgence in Midtown and, you know, more of that culture and life just come back to it and people start reinvesting in those properties and knowing that your business was on the front end of that and mm -hmm. you guys were really invested in that vision early on, I think, is an awesome part of your story. Yeah, and the, cu the, the customers embrace us. I mean, it, it's such a symbiotic relationship. I mean, uh, you know, the folks that were developing the property believed in the area, then we believed in it. And then our customers believed in us, you know, so it's all connected. And you could really sense almost from the first six months we were open 
that people were happy to spend their money because they felt like they were improving their community. And that has continued in the 17 years of our business to be a theme. Mm-hmm. People are happy to come shop with us if we take great care of them, which we try very hard to do, um, because they feel like that we're a partner in creating a community that is more sustainable and enjoyable. Yeah. So. I think it's interesting, too. So, I mean, that's kind of the Memphis perspective. But you also mentioned that at the time when you guys were starting out, people were really invested in going to Walmart, these big box you know, this all-in-one place for optometry yeah. care. Um, I think that still is probably a part of it, but in the last 10 years, just kind of a, as a culture across the nation, we've seen more of a focus on small business and more of a backlash against kind of doing everything all in one place, you know, yes. if we ignore Amazon and some of those <laughs> things for a minute. Um, so there's still, in some ways, you know, with technology where people are trying to consolidate, there's a, a lot of value too, and I think people are realizing, especially after the recession, um, just the importance of small business and what it means in communities and people's lives. And just as, you know, as a family, you guys are are running this thing and you're invested in it and your whole livelihoods depend on this. So I think when your customers get to know you and get involved with you, that's a really unique thing about small business. And when it comes to PR and telling your story is we're not just this faceless corporation, we're people and we're doing this with you and we want to be a part of the things that you're going through in your life. And you're, you know, the, you've always said, you know, these glasses, these frames, whatever they may, if they're, you know, reading glasses, if they're sunglasses, whatever they may be, that's fashion for your face. It's a representation of who you are as a person. And you're coming in there to, you know, you're, you're handing that over to the eclectic eye team. And it's just really interesting to see the way that the staff works with, you know, your customers, you've built such a a loyal following or talking about, you know, community and people wanting to support local businesses, but they, they come in there now because these are the people who take such good care of them. And I think that that's such a great representation of your business and how you've grown over the years. I mean, I think it's one of the best parts, if not the best part. I mean, one of our, I think one of the things that's made us truly successful is of course, taking care of the customers, but, but ultimately the first part of that is we've worked really hard to learn how to take care of our team. And, and it's a process. I mean, we really have failed at it over and over again. But from those failures, we have learned how to, um, to set up the folks that work for us in the, best, in the best way we know how. And, you know, we have people that have been with us 10, 11 years now. Um, some have left and come back. And... Um, Ultimately, if they really feel like they're included in a part of the process, that the trickle down of that is to the is to our customers. So again, I mean, it's just back to that symbiotic connection. We all have to feel um, a part of the team. Um, it's not about sales growth numbers for us. It's about how do we feel when we come to work every day? Are we glad to be here? Are we glad to be participating? You know, and we do that in a lot of ways. I mean, this year, one of the best things that we had such a great time with this year as a team is we got to participate in the Pride Parade. We closed the store for a day, and I, was, I told the team, I was like, look, I'll close the store for the day. That's what I'll gift you, but you all got to do everything else. And, you know, it, again, the, the, it, was, it was a process. Um, but, you know, they came up with the float, they came up with the designs, they worked hard to sort of engineer how it all worked, and it was a huge collaborative effort, and it was just a moment of joy that is, I mean, I'll remember forever, and I think they will too, but it's things like that where you know your your team, you know what everybody what, what everybody's interested in, 
that really connects you and grounds you to this place that we call Memphis that's important to us. So They've completely taken ownership of, of Eclectic Eye as, as a team, and then as you said, that trickles down to your customers, and that's why you, you continue to build such a loyal following. Uh, speaking of following um, and kind of getting back into PR, so um, Eclectic Eye has a unique uh, social media presence. You're obviously extremely active in this space. Um, can you give us some insight into what you feel like drives the social media strategy for Eclectic Eye and what it is that you're trying to communicate why you feel like social media is such an important medium? Well, so when we opened, there was no social media. So that is definitely Speaking evolved. Of change. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just crazy yes. that the change in that in the last uh, 18 years. But the number of channels, too. I mean, there's a new one popping up every week, it feels like. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's head spinning when you think about it. But um, I, I do think it's really important, and I think it goes back to consistency and branding, um, which, again, I rely on you guys, Inferno, to, to tackle that for us. But I think our image and our brand is critically important, not because we're having to prove ourselves, but because we want to always be seen and heard in an authentic manner that represents our core values. I think the social media, it's such a runaway train that if you don't have the right people on your team, at least this is what I sort of perceive, that it just is easily spun off in a lot of unhelpful directions. It takes a village to sort of contain it, control it, and keep it consistent. And I believe as a small, I don't have time. I mean, the amount of energy it takes to even look at all the different channels every day is out of my, is out of my scope. So much less keep it consistent and contained in a way that's productive and always reflective of who we are. So I think that is an invaluable component to PR. I mean, I think when we were first talking about social media, it wasn't even necessarily thought of as PR. Like, is it? Is it not? But the reality is, it is. um, And it has to be maintained and controlled. Yeah, and so this is something I think we've talked about on every single episode of the (laughs) boilerplate. But, you know, it's so interesting when you think about social media as a whole, you think about that really as, as a, as a channel, as a holistic channel or a holistic medium for Mm -hmm. you, but there are so many channels within that medium. So it's really crucial to take a step back and to identify who are our different audience groups? What are the different personas? Then what are the different messages that are going to resonate with those audience groups? And then you identify what are the appropriate channels. What's your budget? Well, that's of course. (laughs) But what are the appropriate channels to disseminate those messages to those audience groups? And then that enables you to say, okay, we need to be on X, Y, and Z channel, not A, B, and C, you know? And so, and then you can, you can establish that you can, you have your benchmark now or your baseline, and then you can measure that over the next quarter, over the next six months. And then you course correct as needed. You explore new channels because you've always got to be exploring. It's always about testing to make sure that this is still the appropriate channel for you to be on, that your message is still resonating with your audience. Our audience changes sometimes what they want, what they, what they absorb, what they engage with changes. So you've got to be monitoring that. When you think about the fact that social media is such a two-way communication channel, 
you've got to be monitoring it all the oh time gosh, because yeah. it's it's a it's that's digital customer service. That's how mm-hmm. it's taken care of, you know. And so we've got to make sure that we are monitoring that, that we're responding to reviews, we're responding to inquiries, we're taking, you know, if we get the same type of comments on, you know, yep. several different posts, okay, maybe we should incorporate that, or maybe we should consider that as part of a, um, you know, a service offering that we have. So it, it is absolutely crucial, and I think it's really interesting to see how that's evolved, but also um, what's what's required of social media. Well, and Robbie, something you said a minute ago was this idea of, you know, it's something that does need to be controlled. It is PR, and it's so hard, I think, for businesses, for everyone, because social media, to an extent, it is what it is because it can't be controlled. It's just this kind of oh open, free-form conversation, and it's just people connecting in, in the same way as they would in the real world, just online. And so I think every business is trying to figure that out. How do I control, control this conversation, and how can I be in front of how people are talking about me and, and what they're perce- perceiving? I think you're exactly right, is you have to just be really true to who you are, know your core values, be authentic, Um and another thing that you brought up, I, you know, you mentioned using Inferno as a partner. I think having a, a team on board to help support that or even somebody on your team who that's their full-time job, social media is such a big part of, of any business's strategy now. It has to be. And you wear so many hats and, you know, you're managing your team. You guys are dealing with your product lines and things like that. Events. Right. <laughs> and so there, there's so much outside of that scope. But then you have this big giant thing over here called social media that's just kind of happening whether you're involved in it or not. And if you're not involved, you can't control what's happening. And I, and I see it every day with other small businesses is that they really treat it as an afterthought and it's really a mistake. Um, it, it is, it's crucial that you're on top of it. And I agree with you. I, I don't want to be on top of it. And it's ever, because it's ever evolving, I mean, it's really ha- helpful to have a partnership um, or a team in place, which I feel like I have here at Inferno to help me navigate. Okay, when I see the new shiny object, okay, should I be selling this or should I have this button or what about this this happening on Yelp and what? Oh, okay, the Pinterest thing is changed. I mean, all of that stuff is so um, you know manic and it's happened so I cannot keep up. And you're right, I'm managing a team. We're trying to grow people, so it's really helpful for me to have a group of. A group of folks behind me that understands our core values, understand what's important to me, visually can represent us um, well and consistently across all those channels, and is is you know is alerted alerted to that kind of stuff all the time. I couldn't do it. Well, and it, anticipating customers' responses to posts to visual components, as you said, and making sure that that you know we're staying consistent and um, and what we're posting. And thinking about how things have changed and how things have evolved, you know, when we talk about social media, uh, especially on a, a channel like Instagram or Twitter, where hashtags have become such an important tool for marketers, for brands, um, in terms of searching specific topics or just helping to elevate your brand a little bit. But um, a few years ago, we had talked about, okay, what's going to set, or, you know, hashtags had just really sort of come out. So we talked about what's going to set Eclectic Eye apart, or what is this one thing that we can really own or we can push out there that's going to be 
eclectic eye, a representative of eclectic eye. And the whole I Love Memphis movement had just really started and gotten off the ground. And we really loved that. And eclectic eye really fit that bill. So we were thinking about some different ways. Okay, how can we incorporate eclectic eye? I, I, oh my gosh, I, E-Y-E. So then then we created E-Y-E, I Love Memphis. Talk to us a little bit about that and the way that Eclectic Eye has used that hashtag and what it means to the brand. Well, it's just a perfect fit. I mean, um, you know, we're just sad we didn't think of I Love Memphis first with an I. Um, (laughs) So we're happy to have E-Y-E Love Memphis. But it just speaks to everything we're about. I mean, from the art on our walls to the sculpture we have outside, we are hugely supportive of local artists we're very vested in many, many community organizations. We are big believers that our positive words, thoughts, actions about Memphis impact the trajectory of our city. And when we're out and about, we want to um, not only promote ourselves, but promote our business. And, and hashtag I Love Memphis does just that. So it's, it's just, it just feels like us now. That makes sense. Like you said. Totally does. I want to talk a little bit more, too, about some more specifics about your social media strategy. So, obviously, when you're on, you know, whatever channel you're on, you have to choose what to post and how to promote that and what to put money behind. When you guys are posting, do you – what's kind of the balance? Do you pr- promote products? Do you promote things you're doing in the community? How do, you, how do you make those decisions about what kind of content you're creating? Well, I defer to y'all to start with, um, <laughs> but um, – I think one thing that's really helped us of all over the last couple of years is that um, the PR team here at Inferno is very deliberate and scheduled with what what our content calendar looks like. And so typically um, Inferno sent to me sort of a list of suggestions based on content we've provided. Nothing is done haphazard. It's very organizationally thought through. And then we can kind of work through it together. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes, yes. Um, and so for someone who's very organizationally minded and needs things very structured, that system has worked well. And that way we're not just throwing stuff out there to see what sticks because that's when the inconsistency sort of, you know, you go down a rabbit hole of that that's not productive. So I feel like we're doing it better than ever. I don't, yes. I'm assuming Beth agrees, <laughs> yes. but yeah. <laughs> and, you know, something that, you know, is really important to us, just as we know it is to you from an organization standpoint is, um, is being really strategic about what we do, being organized in that way. So our content calendar is something that we live by. It is a fluid document, it is. but, and it has to be, but it's also very important to have something on the calendar and to know what we're going to be doing for the next three months. We like to do that pretty much in 90 day segments because that way we can then measure exactly what we did. It's on the calendar. We can cross it off when, once it's completed and then we can look, you know, from a quarterly standpoint, okay, how did that work? Uh, Did the audience engage with that? Should we course correct? And if we should, what should we try? What should we test? And, and what should we... And, and I don't think I answered your question completely, so I'll just toggle back to it. Because we, we do choose what we post sort of based on... I mean, 
it's always going to be a variety of stuff. Our community involvement is always kind of one of our most favorite things to post. And it typically, I think, has a lot, a fair amount of engagement, right? Yes, it shows the human element. That tends to get Yeah, and we enjoy more. that. But we also love when we've been to New York and we've purchased a whole bunch of new, amazing, independent eyewear lines. That gets us really charged up. So we'll post some stuff about that. Um, but we also love to tell stories about our people. So, I mean... It, it's always a little bit of variety. It's not, it's, you know, I've seen some folks that really focus on sales and that channel. We're really more about telling our story across the board as opposed to um, something that is a, is a, you know, a measurable revenue generator, which I think a lot of people are interested in. Speaking of telling the story. So you've obviously been a part of the Memphis community for going on 17 years. Mm. Right. Yes. So an eclectic guy has its, you know, has its own following. You've got a large social media audience. You've got regular, very loyal customers who come into the store. What do you feel like you do to continue to create and cultivate that community? So talk to us a little bit about community engagement and why that's so important to the brand. I think it just goes back to us wanting to be a part of the solution in Memphis as opposed to running away. I mean, we, we want to always be striving to be better than we are. And we always want to be, you know, working to enjoy what we do every day in the city that we love, that we think has so much more potential than we often give ourselves credit for. So it all goes hand in hand. We deepen our team's resources, their experience, which deepens our customer's experience, provides, you know, much better overall energy to the to the environment I mean that's what's important to us we want to walk into work every day and feel good about what we're doing and on those days we don't we want to figure out a way to kind of reset and you know so it's a process but we're better than ever so well thinking about um along the lines of community engagement you know so we talked about art shows a little bit which you host about once every eight weeks uh, yeah. local artist who comes into the store and showcases their artwork, which is uh, such a cool thing, just really giving back to the arts community, which gives us so much when um, we love to promote that. But you also host a number of events, and those typically have to do around your independent eyewear brands that you carry, that's and that's including some of the pop-up shops. So how, how do you decide when to host these events and the theme um, and brand in which to showcase well, I mean, we, our enthusiasm for our independent eyewear collections is, is off the chart. So we typically, we look at about a two-year calendar and we, we try to rotate them in and out through those two years. So once every three months, we, we bring them from wherever they are. It might be Paris, it might be New York. And it's just an opportunity. If, if a frame, uh, an independent frame line has um, 500 pieces in their collection currently, we typically can only bring in about 75 or 100. So for us to be able to see all 500 of them in one place is great for us, but it really is fun for the customer. So it's, it's about providing that, the, the customer with that experience of really seeing something unique. Exclusive. Totally exclusive. And that, I mean, when we're out of town shopping for these brands, I mean, that's what we're looking for. We, we, don't, we want to find something that really is a piece of art for your face. It goes with the 125 art shows that we've done since we opened. You know, it's just a, it's a part of what we do. This is artwork for your face. I think that's such a cool thing that you guys have done is combining that, combining your passions for the city, for your love of art, with that idea of optometry. Because I think, you know, when it comes to fashion, that's not necessarily 
the first place that everybody's I need this kind of independent line of, of yeah. frames. But it's something that you wear every day. You don't wear a shirt every day. And so... That's often my point, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so I just to live by. <laughs> um, it's just really cool how you guys have kind of blended all that. And I think that's a really interesting part of your story. Um, when it comes to these shows themselves, you guys have been doing these for a while. We have. So I'm, I'm sure there are things that you do now differently than when you started and things that you've learned. And what, what are some struggles that you guys have had and things that you've learned Here's how we can do these shows, get more people involved, and just do them better. Well, 17 years in, it's pretty systemized, systematized now. Um, so I think, f- specifically for the art shows, I think early on it was just sort of a um, kind of a free for all. We didn't really know what to expect. We didn't have press releases. We didn't. There was no social media to put out an easy event announcement. I was not a PR major, so I had no idea how to contact the media. So. As the years have gone on, we've really developed systems both internally and externally with you guys to create the best possible success for these artists. Um, for our trunk shows or even our pop-ups, we, I mean, a lot of this is just experience, and but we're always trying to create some sort of something new to bring us out of the box of the of the systems that we've created, you know, because that's exciting. You know, I think last year with Jacques Marie Maj, we had such a fun time because we added an extra day and we had private appointments for those customers that really want sort of an exclusive experience. And so we sort of roped off an area of the store and it, we hung some curtains. It was kind of this ethereal, lovely little space in the corner windows. And people just enjoyed the experience. You know, they got to spend an hour or so with with our rep from L.A. who's actually French and he's super awesome. And, you know, creating and cultivating those experiences, are it's an always evolving process. And speaking specifically to the pop-ups, it's really interesting, as you said, you know, getting your your product, your brand, your mm-hmm. people into a different space, yeah. not only a different space, but in front of different people, a different audience who, you know, hopefully know who you are, but who can see you in a different space as well. So I think that's, that's been really interesting and unique and, you know, something that we're trying to do more of so long as it, you know, fits who you are. Yeah. I think the South Main Trolley Tour this year was a great experiment for us on the pop-up front and was a lot of fun. And again, I, I do think we have a reputation sometimes of being a little too exclusive and so it's fun to be in an environment like the South Main pop-up where a lot of people wouldn't come in our doors, which we would rather they do, but that's okay, and then to kind of relax and just have a good time with us, which is what we're doing in the store anyway. So it does really expose us in a way that sometimes our reputation works a little bit against us. So Robbie, at a higher level, what do you feel like the value of PR is to a small business? PR is something that's very worthwhile to spend money on. I think a lot of small businesses just don't understand the value. And it's it's kind of hard to connect because it's sort of, you know, ambiguous. But really, I don't know that the money I've spent on PR in the last 15 years with Inferno or 14 years, however long it's been, I could have ever gotten that money back or used it differently and it had the return that I have on it today. I think it's crucial to our small business that we've had a team in place that dealt with all the minutia that we talked about from a PR standpoint. So. It is hard to to gauge and to measure brand awareness, but so hard. ultimately it's about public 
opinion and, and engagement. Yeah. So if we can figure out a way to measure that, that's not so much, um, on a vanity metric level, then, you know, and course correct as needed, test things, try new things, explore that, make sure that we're evolving with your brand too. Then yeah, do you love the measurables? Yes. And we, and what gets measured gets done. And so that goes back to having a solid content calendar, some sort of strategic plan that you're able to look at and work from and, and adjust as needed. I think you bring up such a good point for, for small businesses. It's especially important that you do it because, because those returns are so important because you're getting exposure in ways that you, you couldn't do by yourself. But also in a lot of ways, it's just scary because you're, you're on the hook for everything. You know where every penny in your business is going. You know everything else that has to be taken care of. And so um, I think, one, spending extra money on something else that doesn't feel necessary yeah, to your business is it scary. It scary, yeah. Yeah. And then, two, just giving up that control because you're trusting somebody else to tell your story. And you're really – I think that's why it's so important, important to find a partner that you trust um, just because you want it to be somebody who, at the end of the day, you know they value the same things you do. Right and understand the kind of message you want to be putting out there. And, you know, between spending that money and giving up that control, as a small business owner, you're doing the thing that you're passionate about. Giving up those two things are, are terrifying. So Yeah, I think yeah. the mistake I see most often with small businesses around me now, in my experience, is that they're letting their story be told for them. And I think the, re- the real benefit to PR is having someone in your corner that's telling your story consistently. They're telling it with you. They're an extension of your business. A hundred percent, yeah. But a lot of people are having their story told for them in a way that they really just don't want. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us today. We greatly appreciate your time thank and your you. insight and, of course, your partnership so much. For sure. I, Me too. You know, we've always really loved working with you guys. And I think when we talk about PR, we've talked so much about how it can benefit a business or, you know, the people involved with that business. I think one of the great things about your story is Memphis as a city has changed for a million different reasons Mm -hmm. over the last 18 years. But one thing that we haven't really focused on is PR has the power to change entire communities and cities. And I think the fact that you guys were able to sit down and invest in this community and say, you know what? No, we care about Midtown. We care about Memphis. And we do think it's a great place to be and a great place for people to invest in. The fact that you took that stance and then, you know, worked to, to build your business and get that message out there, I think really inspired other people and it inspired other businesses to come back in those relationships that you guys have built in that small business com- community is really important too. So I one of the things so. I really Thank just you. appreciate about you guys is um, your commitment to the city, to your business. And I, I think that's where the power in your PR has been. And it, it's been, it's so far reaching beyond what you're doing just on an independent level. And it's had a really great impact on the city. So thank you. Well, thank you. That's an awfully nice compliment, but we agree. I echo as well. <laughs> well, thanks again, Robbie. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks again so much to Robbie for joining us today. Um, I think we had a really great discussion. I hope you guys enjoyed everything that she had to say about running a small business and, and what that looks like as far as PR goes. And making sure that you remain authentic to your brand, that you evolve with your brand, that your marketing and PR strategies evolve with that brand as well. It's really Absolutely. important. Um, 
so we're coming close to the end of the season for the first season of the boilerplate. I'm really excited about the guests that we've had so far, about the stories that we've covered. Um, I want to encourage you guys to, to plug in with us as much as possible. So you can find us at podcast.creativeinferno.com. You can also send us an email at podcast.creativeinferno.com if you have any ideas for the upcoming season or if you have any feedback from our content this season. We'd love to hear from you, hear your ideas, and just connect with you on a deeper level. If you need to know more about Inferno just as a business, we are a full-service marketing agency in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. We So we do marketing, PR, video, digital. Uh, if you need to talk to somebody and you need to get a message out there, we can help with that. And so the boilerplate is going to continue to evolve. Um, so next season, we'll be talking about more than just public relations. Some integrated marketing, um, some ways that you can ensure that your PR strategy matches up with your advertising strategy, that that aligns with what's happening on your website and through different channels. So we, we very much look forward to uh, getting that content created and sharing that with everyone on this channel. So just keep in touch. Again, uh, stay up to date with the latest Boilerplate updates and get in touch with us either by email or through our website, podcast.creativeinferno.com. We'll talk to you next time.